you know, my pet peeve is always you come in and the, maybe the buzzers are all labeled wrong or the uh, the mailboxes. So it's, kind of, you know, you've got the trash overflowing in the lobby. So I think the same thing on what you can do, especially when this property is on the market. Can you, um, do, you, do your hallways need to be painted? Are the lights flickering? Are the light bulbs all different colors? Um, you know, really look at it from a buyer's perspective and, and, and I think even when you're attracting tenants, tenants look at that stuff too. Do they want to be in a building where, you know, the lights are flickering? I don't, you know, in the hallways, they want to, they want to feel safe and make it feel warm and inviting and they can have other guests over too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a good point. I mean, the finances are super important. The mm -hmm. cash flow is important, but the perception that somebody has when they get into the property, I mean, I, I've been to properties that are for sale and they just don't show well. And I'm mm -hmm. like, how come this owner didn't even try <laughs> yeah. to clean it up a little bit? It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan, it takes tested systems, and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. I'm your host, John Stiles, with Bridge Realty, and I'm so glad you, you have joined us again for another great episode. I'm pleased to introduce to you today Scott Halbrick. Scott, thanks for coming in. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here. And Scott is the broker and owner of BuyRentSell.com. Yeah. And uh, Scott, why don't you take a moment to tell the audience a little bit about your background in real estate and then how you got started with your company now. Sure. Yeah. So I've been in the real estate business um, probably about 17 years or so. Um, started actually uh, working in the restaurant industry um, where with my parents, we own a Dairy Queen franchise, which is also, you know, real estate related, making burgers and blizzards to pay for that real estate. So um, got started in that industry and then um, got into the real estate business um, actually got started in rentals um, when the market, um, you know, cycled last time and, and I had lived in a uh, property way out in, uh, uh, was in Mayer, Minnesota, so out quite a ways and just wanted to move back, be closer to the city, closer to friends and stuff. So I ended up um, renting that property out and then realized it was a nice, uh, you know, way to work with people in uh, terms of helping them find a rental place and then also, you know, kind of following that process through as, as they wanted to buy a home or, and uh, just kind of built a rental portfolio from there as well. Um, and then started out at a, I started at Colo Banker and then um, moved into some other uh, companies before opening up my own uh, brokerage in 2017. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds good. When you were working as an agent, you were mm -hmm. primarily working in residential sales or how would you? Yeah, I'd say um, a little bit of both. I mean, um, you know, a little commercial and multifamily, mostly residential, but um, some of those, you know, one to four and um, units are still considered residential. And then when you get five plus, they're considered the commercial. So right. um, it's definitely, you know, working with some investors in that market too. And especially as, um, you know, the market changes and stuff, you get different, different buyers, of course, are out there and, and homeowners and things. So, yep. yeah. so why did you decide to open up buyrentsell.com? Yeah, I figure, um, you know, that's a good question. I, I got into that just because, um, you know, that was kind of where my, my niche, I guess, was going, you know, helping, being able to help all those um, facets of people. And, you know, I've helped several tenants that were tenants of mine and then purchase their first home and then actually sell their home. So it was kind of a good fit um, for what, you know, my business model was. And, and that way I could, you know, also facilitate those people because I also helped a lot of people during the um, downturn that maybe couldn't sell their home. So then they kept it as a rental for a while and we would um, manage their, you know, portfolio where they could move on. And if they had to move out of state for a job or move into a different, you know, house that better met their needs, um, we could rent it out and manage it for them. Um, so it just, you know, it was a good fit, I think. Okay, great. And how would you describe your current portfolio of managed properties? Are you... Sure. Do you have a lot of single family, multifamily, or yeah, it's a pretty good mix. So I, you know, we have, um, you know, I, I own my own properties as well, but then we also manage for um, individuals that maybe they just invest in condos. They want to, in, you know, they like the idea of uh, association taking over that uh, outside maintenance. So we have a lot of like just single, teeny little condos that maybe it's a newbie investor that's starting, um, all the way up to where we're managing, um, you know, commercial properties or you know, commercial, um, you know, actually tenant, you know, pro properties as far as residential um, apartment buildings and things like that. So, and single family. So we have a good, we have a really good mix of them. Okay. Yeah. And how large would you describe your company? Do you have several yeah. employees, several yeah, yeah. brokers or what does good, it look like? Good question. Yeah, we have, um, so we have several uh, uh, independent agents that, you know, are just doing their own um, individual transactions. I'm sure much like your company too. And then um, we've got, uh, um, I do have a staff of, you know, maintenance tech, and then we also have a full-time, um, you know, uh, realtor slash leasing assistant and things like that 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 assist me with all the day-to-day -day, um, managing the tenants and things like that so I can be freed up to do things like this or bring in more business and things like that. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, great. Uh, thanks for kind of describing your business for us and your background, how you get into it. Yeah. Um, so what we like to kind of cover in this show is helping our investors to really maximize their property value, yep. kind of like the name of the show. Right, right. Um, so there's a lot of different things that go into that, of course. One key thing is having a great property manager on your team. Mm -hmm. So the first kind of set of questions I'd like to discuss go over with you is how should a property manager, sorry, a property owner really interview a manager and make sure that they're a good fit? Like what kind of questions sure. would be good to ask a manager? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good thing. Maybe you'd want to find out, um, you know, vacancy questions, what they're going to do to, you know, if they have systems in place, I think that's a good, you know, really good thing as far as systems, how often are um, touch points happening with the tenants? Because I think um, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, we have a, a, you know, you're kind of in a tricky role as a property manager. I mean, you're 
you're managing the tenant's expectations, but then you've also got to maximize the profits for your um, owners. And hopefully you're working with people that understand, you know, you do maybe need to spend and invest a little money to um, have a good product and keep your tenants happy too, because that's a, gets to be a little tricky fine line. Um, but I think, you know, you'd want to do stuff like, why is it important to have good curb appeal, even on a rental property um, to attract tenants, keep your, you know, your vacancy low and, um, you know, kind of things like that. Um, but maybe, you know, screening process might be a good start if you're really just, you know, interested in, in, uh, getting some other ideas from a property manager, but what's your screening process, make sure they're up to date on a lot of the new, um, screening rules and things that are coming down from, from, you know, the bigger cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis, and then, you know, probably we'll start going into other cities as well and how that's going to be managed and, and, you know, how you can effectively still screen tenants and also um, limit your liability as a, a landlord and things. So I think that would be important to, to know as well. Yeah. Um, so, and probably also to make sure, you know, like what's your maintenance plan? Do you have a, you know, do you have a, a timely response? Cause you, of course you want to um, acknowledge that, you know, that tenant, we received your maintenance request, but you don't want it sitting out there too, or getting forgotten about and, and how quick, you know, that turnaround time is. Cause that can really be a, um, you know, an issue for tenants. They, they want to know that. And I, actually a lot of them we have that they do really prefer that it's managed by a company. If a tenant is coming to, um, lease a unit, they, they've maybe had negative experiences with owners as far as, um, managing themselves just when is maintenance going to get done? Is it actually going to, you know, are we going to get service too? Yeah. Okay. So definitely. So making sure that the manager has good systems around mm -hmm. filling vacancies and right. responding to maintenance for kind of two mm -hmm. key things I took away from that. Yeah. Yep. I would say that for sure. Another benefit that a, a manager brings to the table, kind of you touched on it a little bit there, is just their ability to to scale the service to mm -hmm. the tenants and and also the, the broad experience that they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. um, so what is maybe an experience that you've had um, that and, and, and a problem that you've seen and how did you resolve it? And, you know, kind of an example about, mm -hmm. about the experience that you brought to the table and that, how that helped the situation. Sure. I think a lot of it, um, you know, we're kind of dealing right with right now with what's going on in the industry with the kind of the health scare here. And so I think, um, you know, we are, you know, trying to get out there ahead of it. Um, one thing that we're doing is we've, we've actually went to owners cause right now, um, Actually, the courts kind of has suspended the eviction process uh, or, you know, any court hearings until at least the end of March at this point. Um, we're not telling our tenants that, but of course, we've got to communicate that to our owners. And then they're worried about, well, what do how do we mitigate that? And then also addressing tenants concerns during, um, you know, we're getting a lot of like what happens if, you know, can we still come in and show the unit or that kind of thing. And so we're letting them know that we're taking extra precautions. Maybe it's extra cleaning of common areas, um, as well as ensuring the owners on the other side that, you know, we still are enforcing the lease. We're still, you know, collecting rent as normal. Um, maybe it's something where you're going to implement a policy on, uh, you know, Hey, if you've been laid off, we'll try to work out a payment arrangement with you. Maybe waive a late fee. If you can prove that, you know, you're going through a hardship. Um, but you also don't want to interrupt that cash flow because, as owners, you know, we still have mortgages and things to pay on the property. So I think from a tenant's perspective, also getting them to understand, but, you know, we're not just a big, bad landlord trying to collect our rent. We've got 
bills and upkeep, you know, on the same time of the property. And I think sometimes they don't see that or they don't realize that, you know, they just think, I, you know, give everybody half off. That'd be great. You know, and it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely interesting times we're mm-hmm. experiencing right now. Right. Um, so is there anything else maybe related to this, mm-hmm. uh, this health scare mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that shall remain unnamed? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that you can recommend to owners like, uh, so be, you recommend mm-hmm. being pro, do you, do you recommend being proactively, um, engaging the tenants to set expectations or kind of just waiting and seeing what happens? Yeah. You know, um, I think at first you kind of want to, you, you don't know what to do either cause it's all, all, uh, a little bit un, unprecedented or whatnot, but I think you'd want to, um, you know, if other people maybe talk to other managers, other, um, owners seeing kind of what they're doing and, and kind of make a plan of your own. So we did, uh, you know, luckily it's not the first, but I'm like, well, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to get these questions coming in on the first. So let's kind of get ahead of this. And, you know, at least you kind of show, um, you know, that you're having a plan in place. So, you know, maybe your policy is, you know, we need to know before April 1st that you're going to be having a hardship so we can, you know, know, get a plain payment plan in place and, um, versus wait till the fifth rolls around and then, you know, we've got a whole flood of calls or something. Yeah. Um, and then just take up, you know, extra, maybe you're closing, if it's a bigger complex, maybe you're closing your common gym or some of those common amenities to temporarily to kind of help, help that, um, maybe extra sanitizing procedures, maybe clean the building once extra, making sure that, um, you know, knobs and doorknobs and stuff like that are, you know, extra, um, Lysol or whatever you want to use to clean that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's definitely good to be proactive Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than just sit by and let things happen. And I think the tenants appreciate that too. Then they can see that, you know, they understand that things are being done. You are aware you do care about their safety as well. It's almost like, you know, if you, you know, adding security cameras and things that some people maybe could see that as a deterrent or whatever, but it's like, you know, that's for your protection to deter other things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've heard that discussion as well. Like, mm-hmm. will tenants worry that it's a bad location if mm-hmm. you put up security cameras? Well, maybe some, but mm-hmm. hopefully they'll see that, no, this is for their benefit and right. protection. Yeah, and I'm, I'm surprised even, you know, getting off onto that other topic, how many buildings are multifamily and they don't even, they're not locked, you know, they just still have a, an entrance that just, you can just open and walk right in. So, yeah. you know, that'd be something too. I mean, do you feel safer? having the cameras in a locked interest, I would, I would think so. Yep. Yeah, for sure. On a related note, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I find is, is super important in this business is customer service. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering what type of systems and process do you, do you have in place um, to make sure that your tenants are receiving the best customer service they can? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, we do like those touch points. They they can contact us. Um, we have an office where they can stop in if they feel like they want to set up a meeting. Maybe um, if they're having a noise complaint that you actually help facilitate uh, um, a meeting with the, the disruptive parties to try to facilitate um, how can we mitigate this. And then that way they're feeling like you're actively involved in the management um, you know, noise between other residents or not just like, oh, you guys go figure it out amongst yourselves. Um, so that could be a good way. Um, but we do other touch points like, you know, around the holiday times, um, giving uh, uh, some kind of gift or, you know, a little, you know, treat cookies, something like that. And then also like birthday gifts, things like that. Um, okay. It's just extra 
you know, touch points yeah. with the tenant. That's another interesting example with the noise complaints because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you have older buildings, there's right. not a lot you can do. Right. Um, and that's a big one. I mean, that's a big one with the older buildings for sure. It's like somebody walks and you can hear it, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, I have definitely heard that side of things where, hey, we're not... <laughs> We're not going to resolve all your issues. Why don't you talk to each other mm-hmm. and figure it out? But so yeah. it sounds like you. How how do you facilitate? We've had those? to do that before. Yeah, I mean, some you know, it's a matter of like you know, and you've got to be careful too. Maybe they're they've got kids and now they're going to be home um, from you know summer break or whatever it may be. But you know, yeah, you know, there's at the same point though. They're you know they're they're still you're still responsible for the kids. You can't be jumping off furniture and different things and disrupting the neighbors downstairs. So I think it's a gets to be a tricky management um, position. But, you know, yeah, I encourage, let's set up a meeting. Let's try to improve it. Let's have a touch point. At, you know, we had this mediation kind of thing. Um, let's touch base in a week and see if it's resolved. If it hasn't gotten any better, um, you know, what other things can we do? Can you get a maybe the tenant that's experiencing a lot of the noise? That have you considered maybe getting a white noise, you know, a noise machine, something else to help um, break it up? I mean, we obviously want you to still be comfortable and living your life and not, uh, you know, not be miserable, but you know, everybody, there's kind of a fine line there too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does take some patience on the person that might be mm-hmm. being inconvenienced. Right. Um, I personally have four children and we yeah. live in a multifamily property yeah. uh, that we own. Um, so we're very mindful of it, you know, right. <laughs> but, uh, but the next person might not be, you know, and yeah, and, but even though we're mindful and we try to encourage the kids to be quiet, you know, there's only, they're still kids and yeah. they're going to do what they're going to do. Right. So, right. Um, and I think so, some, maybe being there to, to, to witness it. So, you know, when, when you're there, if you're witnessing something that shouldn't be, then you can kind of be like, well, but, you know, there's some, there's something happening up there. I, I can hear it, you know, and, and yeah. have, maybe having the other person come down and, um, you know, be in the space too. The, yeah. if the other person's comfortable with it, be in the space and, you know, do a noise test, walk around, make those noises. What are you, you know, what are you hearing? And then maybe they didn't realize it was as loud as it is or mm-hmm. transfers. Yeah. So definitely an awareness for mm-hmm. everybody that's involved. Yep. Yep. So, exactly. Yeah, for, for sure. And then, uh, so you've talked about um, having touch points with the tenants mm-hmm. for maybe birthdays and such. So right. what does that look like? Is that like an email, a phone call, a letter? Yeah, good, um, good question. We do, um, you know, we've been doing like a little uh, gifting service so they, they can kind of pick out something that they want and, and get a surprise. Um, doesn't usually come right on their birthday, but maybe a, a week or so after. Um, but that's the new thing that we've been implementing. Um, before that, we did kind of like a, a birthday text and, you know, sent them a card, maybe like a little Starbucks card or something like that for their birthday. So um, over the holiday times, we've done different things like um, you know, maybe Christmas cookies or, you know, holiday cookies and then, or a gift card to a, you know, restaurant, something like that. Yeah. Well, that sounds like you're kind of going over and above, you know, some landlords or managers kind of feel like, you know, you're, you owe us the rent and and that's that, uh, you know, why do you take the position of, of a gift at, at yeah, birthday. I think, well, I think it does, um, a good thing for our, our owners too. I mean, a lot of our, our, um, tenants don't know that, you know, maybe they don't understand that they're privately owned people. And so this we're kind of doing on a uniform front. And then this is what you're getting as, you know, as management, um, you know, you're getting a a team behind you. And then we're also 
kind of trying to keep the tenants happy because that's going to translate to them hopefully renewing their lease or um, maybe you know mitigate turnover costs. I mean, we still got to keep up with market rents and, and adjust rents accordingly, but um, this is just an extra thing to maybe can set us apart from the competition. Yeah. So what system do you have in place to make sure that gets done? Because, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with a great idea like right. that is, is one thing, but actually implementing it is another. Yep, yep. Um, good question. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when we'll get, uh, you know, when we'll get their um, uh, background check and things like that, we'll have their birth date on there so we can right away implement that into our CRM and um, have it track so it lets us know a few days before, um, you know, let's say their birthday, for example, and that way we can... Um, you know, push that out to send a, you know, send a gift. Um, and then around the holiday times, it's pretty easy. We just, you know, get it, get, get the same thing and, and drop it off to their unit or have them, um, pick it up at our office too. So, okay. Um, we've done a, and a couple other things around, you know, Halloween, something like that. If they want to stop by to the office, drop off their rent or whatever, but then they could pick up a, you know, a pie or something like that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, really interesting as well. I think a lot of owners and managers are not using a CRM, sure. um, a customer relationship management tool. Right. Um, or at least if they are, it's probably just for tracking rent and not for caring, you know, having a relationship with their customer, their sure. resident. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think we want to make it be as long as we can. I mean, maybe it's, you know, where, you know, it works the same way with a buyer or seller, but maybe the tenant... Um, wants to move and they want to move, they, you know, that units no longer meets their needs. So they need a bigger unit or a smaller unit or something. But um, you could also have them come to you first rather than vacating. You've already have them as a client. Can you move them to another one of your properties that might fit their needs better? Um, or if they're moving out of state, do you know, can you refer them to another agent in another state that, um, you know, can take good care of them? And then, you know, they've kind of got that referral. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. If they appreciate the way that the relationship is set with you, mm-hmm. they're more likely to work with you. It even if they do move from that one unit. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so when you're paying, you know, obviously gifts are going to cost mm-hmm. money. Is that coming right. out of the owner's budget, or is that coming out of your budget? Um, usually, that does come out of our budget. So we're, you know, we're collecting a management fee from the owners, but we've kind of built in, you know, some perks of. You know, yeah, that does cost us a little more, but it's also a benefit of um, the owners working with us. They're going to get, you know, get some of these touch points um, to their tenants, too. So, yeah, well, that's a real benefit to the owner. because They're getting that improved customer service to their residents. Right. Um, And it it benefits you even uh, aside from the owner because they may do business with you otherwise. Right. Right. Or, or, yeah, exactly. Or move to another unit or or buy a property. So, yeah. yeah. Well, very neat. That's a um, couple new things I haven't yeah. really heard before from other people. Good. So then turning around to discuss the customer service relationship with the owner, mm-hmm. um, what does that look like for you? How do you set up systems to make sure that your owners are satisfied? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, communication, I think that's the biggest thing in, in our industry too. Um, you know, I always encourage our owners if there's a, if there's an issue, I mean, same thing, just like the tenants, you know, we need to be made aware of it. What's working, what's not working for you. Um, what can we improve on? Um, is there something you'd like to see different? Maybe we have an idea like some properties, um, you know, we're saying, Hey, if it's a duplex, can we, um, you know, implement a second water meter or something like that to, help the owner make more money. Maybe it's, you know, a lot of times, um, what can we improve on a unit? You know, the cost per unit's gone up quite a bit over the years. So 
Can we finish some kind of space in your unit to bring in additional revenue? Maybe it's cut expenses in some way that's also not going to um, sacrifice service. So maybe we look at, like I said, that water meter example. Can we um, inexpensively add in another water meter that, you know, maybe it's a few thousand dollars, but you're going to make that up because now the tenants can pay each pay their own water meter and or water bill and not, um, you know, maybe you don't increase the rent as much, but the owner's still uh, making money because now they don't have to pay that bill. Yeah. So, okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's a, a good way to improve mm -hmm. the cash flow there. Wonderful. Sure. Um, what do you recommend as the frequency for an owner to uh, visit their properties? Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, we, we have some that never have. Um, a lot of times that happens, especially with out-of-state investors. I actually work with some investors I've never met in person. So, um, you know, there's that trust that comes into play. I mean, maybe the for that particular owner, they want to see a, um, a video walkthrough. Um, sometimes they rely on inspection reports to purchase a property. Maybe, you know, we'll make an offer and then they'll get a home inspection and be able to do their due diligence that way. Um, you know, and I think it's what works for them and also your property management software too. So can they, do they have, um, you know, a remote access or a portal or something like that where they can log in and, you know, and view these inspection turns or um, if it's a, you know, if it's a maintenance thing that's costing a lot of money, are we, are we providing them with three bids so they know that, um, you know, these are accurate and this is the best price. I mean, we've got a lot of preferred vendors that we work with. So we, you know, we can ensure the owners that we're getting good um, pricing on things that might, you know, not be an everyday occurrence or a capital improvement expense. Okay. Uh, by the way, what software do you guys use? Yeah, so we're currently using a Yardi software. Um, we are actually in the process of interviewing a couple other um, providers too to um, further improve customer service to both tenants and owners. So, um, you know, that might be switching, but at this point it's a Yardi platform. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Um, what about yourself as a company? How often do you visit the properties? Yeah, so we do um, a check once every quarter um, with the ten, you know with just doing a walkthrough. Um, it could be a drive by. I mean, in a, in a different case, like let's say I'm maybe I'm showing a house or something to a buyer, but there's a, we manage a property close by. Um, I might you know take a, a you know a little trip by the area just to see what's happening. I always try to go over. Um, to the neighbors of uh, of the rental properties that we manage. So if it's a single family home, kind of introduce yourself. Um, make sure they know that you're the manager and um, that you, that you want to be diligent about the property in their neighborhood. And so if they have any issues, contact us so we can know about it. Um, so that's a good way to also kind of be in touch with the neighbors around a rental property and and have their information as well. But I'd say, yeah, once once a quarter, we're doing an inspection on the unit, um, you okay. know, if, and, and we're usually in there more anyway for doing a maintenance, you know, repair. I, I think it's odd if you wouldn't get some kind of maintenance request that you'd have to go in the unit for. Mm -hmm. What types of things are you looking for when you do these quarterly drive-bys mm -hmm. or inspections? Yeah, I mean, you're going to look for things like if it's if is the just from when you start up, is there any maybe any maintenance or deferred items that they haven't reported that need to get addressed as they're peeling paint is the um, handrail loose on the outside coming up to the property is the you know, as the tenants, if the tenants are responsible for lawn and snow, are those items being done? Or do you need to reach out to the vendor that's doing those items and say, you know, Hey, you're, this is, there's weeds, you know, 
um, things like that. And then as far as going inside, you want to make sure that um, smoke alarm, CO2, all the safety things are in place. If you see anything, um, you know, illegal going on, you'd want to, um, you know, note that and, and follow your protocol for doing for dealing with that. Um, same thing, like if there's excess trash or um, maybe hoarding or something like that, you want to mitigate that before you get to the end of their term. And now you've got a garage full of, of things that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds good. Like a, a lot of different things to check mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just reminding myself, I should probably put together a checklist for yeah. whenever I do uh, you know, property visits. So. Yeah. And I think um, now with all the technology to video um, pictures is really helpful. We have, you know, with the software that we have, you can actually take a picture and put it into the inspection report. So if there is something you need to go back and then you're touching base with the tenants on, okay, you know, this is what we observed where we have to issue you a violation notice maybe or a correction action for some things that we found that that weren't right. Um, And another thing I know everybody hates that uh, beeping smoke alarm or CO2 and a lot of times the tenants are cooking, maybe it gets taken down. So one of the things we've been trying to do is um, put in those 10-year sealed um, batteries so they can't take them out. Okay. Um, that helps to, it, it costs a little bit more up front, but then now you're not having to, um, replace batteries every turn either. So, you know, with the 10 years, when the smoke detector expires, you throw it out and put a new one in. Hmm. Okay. I didn't realize they had those types. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a nice thing. They do cost a little more, but it's a, you know, then it's a, I think it's a lithium ion battery that it's good for, it's basically good until the detector's not good anymore and you don't have to replace them. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to look into that. Um, you know, for our intentional investors who are not accidental landlords, but who are really into the property as an investment, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to be looking a lot at their bottom line. Mm -hmm. Um, what are ways that you have found to either increase the income, Mm -hmm. although you've already mentioned one, but anything else and, and also decrease the expenses? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, expenses can get really out of control, especially with utilities. I mean, maybe you look into doing some kind of rub program. Um, those get a little bit tricky if you have different unit size, but that's basically where you can try to build tenants back for, you know, maybe you've got a 10 unit apartment building, um, and you're trying to have everybody pay a portion of the, either the heat or the, um, water bill. So that could be a way to keep the rent where it's at. And then, but then also make the tenants a little bit responsible for their utility usage. Um, I would say if it's a common boiler system, adding um, what's called a P-TECH unit on the boiler is a really good way to work with your HVAC person and that. Um, so what is P-TECH? Yeah, or I, I, I believe it's a, I don't know if it, it's, it might be the wrong word. It's a, it's basically a boiler control um, valve that you actually install on the boiler. So it's, you know, maybe a few thousand dollars, but you put this on and it actually measures the outside temperature and the inside temperature. So sometimes you'll pull up to a building and it's, you know, 80 degrees and all the tenants have got the windows open. So as a landlord, you're paying for those extra costs. Um, You'd want to implement a rule that they can't open the windows in the wintertime. But then also this boiler control helps um, control the temperature of the boiler so you don't have to have it on a constant temperature. Maybe if it's really, really cold out below, you know, 10 degrees, then the boiler's running at a higher, um, you know, higher level or don't know the technical terms of the boiler, but um, a higher uh, flame level. So you're uh, you're mitigating your cost. And then if it's, you know, 20 degrees out, it's not running the boiler quite so hot. So it's kind of 
automatically adjust the temperature based on the um, temperature outside, and that can help um, your natural gas cost. Yeah. Um, but doing things like really making sure uh, whoever's paying that water bill, maybe if the owner's paying the water bill and not the management company, you need to make sure that the management company knows if you're seeing a huge spike in water usage because men maybe you've got a leak in, in a toilet or something like that. And even just a little drip can really um, be thousands and thousands of dollars in, in water charges. Yep. Yep. That's a huge thing right there. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of tenants opening the windows in mm -hmm. the wintertime, I don't know if you got the answer, but why in the world yep. does that happen? I see that. Right, right. And, and some of it is maybe they don't have zone controls on their um, boiler. Maybe they're, we've actually had some that we've taken over that they were installed wrong or the thermostats were broken so even though the the thermostats in the unit um, and the tenants can you know it's a common boiler but the tenants can control their own heat it's it should close the valve the zone valve in their particular unit um, to not give them any more heat and kind of bypass their unit but if they're installed wrong or there's a problem with them um, it can just keep giving them you know all the heat um, so, and, and I think that could be a really good reason of, you know, but again, that communication with them, you'd rather hear it from them and then actually be able to fix the problem. I think also following up with your maintenance, um, team or your HVAC team is like, did they actually fix the problem? So once that maintenance request has been done, check back in with the tenant as another touch point has it been completed or, you know, we're, we, we have this invoice we got to pay now. Did they actually fix it? If they didn't fix it, we need to manage that situation and get them back out to, um, you know, still address the problem. There still must be something going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's another example of communicating well with mm -hmm. the tenants and even setting expectations about potential issues right. so that they know if they feel the urge to open the window in the, in the winter, dead of winter. Yeah, exactly. they should let you know as the manager. Right. Right. And then also monitoring that. I mean, I think that's a, again, a fine line, especially if you're in a building with common heat, um, you know, that's going to be a lot of, you know, somebody might want it 80 degrees and somebody else is sweating to death and they need it at, you know, 65. And then certain rules, our cities have rules that, you know, you got to keep it at a minimum temperature. So, um, and, uh, you know, as an owner, you want to keep it at somewhat of a minimum temperature for, for expense purposes, but you also got to comply with local rules and also kind of figure out what's too, you know, too hot and what's, you know, manage that too. Yeah. Yeah, well, those are some great examples. Um, when an owner or yourself are making mm -hmm. uh, renovations to a property, mm -hmm. there, have you found any products that are really good to keep in mind as far as the longevity of them so yeah. that you don't have to replace something again in the, the next year or the year after? Right, right. Good question. Um, we really like the, there's like um, some luxury vinyl um, tile that a lot of people have been going to. Um, it's kind of wear proof if you've got, if you're accepting pets, you know, it, it shouldn't scratch. Um, uh, and also, you know, water resistant or waterproof, I think they've come a long way in that. And then also with that sound um, issue too, there, uh, there are a lot of them that actually have a, a, almost like a rubber mat on the back and it can be pretty thick. So that can really help with noise. Um, but I think you do want to be mindful of like if you're if you're in a multifamily and you're moving away from carpet um, to that, is that going to you really want to be concerned with a product that is um, hopefully improving your sound, you know, sound transferability. And, and then also, um, you know, being something where you don't have to continually every couple of years replace the carpet um, and maybe yep. you pay a little bit more now for it, but it's lasting you longer in the long run. Yeah. Um, but so I think don't, and, and don't, you, yeah, go ahead. don't get the thinnest 
uh, plank, the vinyl plank. Uh, right, that right. You have available. Right. I think you want to weigh in those, you know, costs, and maybe something is also like, you know, if you're planning on keeping the property longer term, that you might make a different decision than if you're planning on selling it in a year or two. Maybe you would, you know, make a different decision, but that can also weigh into, um, you know, the the next person that's buying this or the next investor might you know, hope, wished you would have put in something different, you know, more, more sound proof, but yeah. you gotta, you gotta make that judgment call too. Yeah, for sure. And I think you could do other um, things like, you know, maybe if you're putting in um, granite or quartz or something like that, but maybe you can use a, um, a remnant or something. If you don't have huge kitchens, um, you can maybe splurge on, on those extra areas where you're going to get the most return for your money too. Yeah. So splurge on those areas, meaning, uh, yeah, kitchens. kitchens. If your kitchen's not huge, it shouldn't cost a you know. Maybe you're going to renovate a unit and spend five thousand on on every um you know kind of update the flooring and update appliances or update um, countertops, things like that to give you um, an upgraded feel. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and you know these investment properties, they often have a life cycle of you know being purchased, being managed, and mm -hmm. then being sold. Right. Um. And, uh, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on just that finding the deal, purchasing the deal, mm -hmm. which is why in this particular podcast, I'm trying to focus more on that interim period of managing. Sure. Um, but when maybe an owner tells you that they're thinking about selling in the next 6, 12, 18 mm -hmm. months, yeah. um, what are things that you would recommend to them to consider doing or uh, different things to prepare the For property the so that it's really you know going to show its best when they do go to sell the property great question yeah i think there's a, a quite a few um one might be if it, let's say you're in a duplex for example um you're in a different uh mindset because you're also appealing to an investor or a owner occupant buyer some of those owner occupant buyers might even one to four units might need to um, occupy one of the units as their loan um, terms and they might be willing to pay more than you know, a typical investor to own or occupy that property, but then you have to make sure that maybe one of the leases at least is timed where they could move into that um, unit versus they're not all, because um, a lot of people's loan types, if they're doing FHA financing or something like that, they can't, they have to move in with like 60 days, I think it is. And so if it's, you know, if you're assuming all your leases, you can, you wouldn't be, that would exclude that buyer. Um, you also want to make sure that you you know, I wouldn't say that you'd want to have your rents at market rent if you can or get them up. I mean, a lot of times, um, I, you know, I'm sure you've seen buildings, too, where the building's almost all vacant. Um, and great, that's great to show, but um, you have to keep in mind who you're marketing that to. And usually everything's even the, the way that buyers qualify and investors qualify for these products is cash flow. So if you can keep your rents up, even increasing them a little bit, um, that can help your sale price. And then on the flip side, if you're an investor looking to buy one of these properties, can you see um, a, you know, is there an opportunity to just come in day one and, and raise rents $50 or something like that? And now you've got that much more influx of cash. Um, so yeah, for sure. that would be a good way too. And then just kind of your, probably your cleanliness, you know, cleanliness, making sure that, um, you know, my pet peeve is always you come in and that maybe the buzzers are all labeled wrong or the uh, the mailboxes. So it's, kind of, you know, you've got the trash overflowing in the lobby. So I think the same thing on what you can do, especially when this property is on the market. Can you, um, do you, do your hallways need to be painted? Are the lights flickering? Are the light bulbs all different colors? 
um, you know, really look at it from a buyer's perspective. And, and, and I think even when you're attracting tenants, tenants look at that stuff too. Do they want to be in a building where, you know, the lights are flickering, I don't, you know, in the hallways, they want to, they want to feel safe and make it feel warm and inviting and they can have other guests over too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a good point. I mean, the finances are super important. The mm-hmm. cash flow is important, but the perception that somebody has when they get into the property, I mean, I, I've been to properties that are for sale and they just don't show well. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how come this owner didn't even try <laughs> yeah. to clean it up a little bit? Right, you know? right. Yep. And you want to get, you know, kind of, if you're thinking that you're out or whatever, get your, um, get your expenses kind of in line, but then also do, maybe you want to do some capital expenses so you can show that, you know, you've got new carpet in the hallways or what have you, maybe, um, add some new mulch out there right before you're ready to go on the market. Um, if it's summertime or spring, put some flowers versus just, you know, mowing the grass and it's all brown and dead, you know, you might have to water it a little bit to make it look, um, visually appealing too. Yep. Yeah, those are some, definitely some good considerations. You don't want to be caught in a situation where you appear desperate. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then you'll get those type of offers. Right, exactly. Uh, very good. So, um, you know, what are some challenges or opportunities that you see going forward? Um, you know, we've had, as you've talked about, two concerns are this virus that's going around mm-hmm. and also just city regulations that are tightening in on landlords. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe talk about that or other things that you see as just either challenges or opportunities going forward into 2020 and beyond. Yeah, I think that's going to continue um, as far as, you know, cities kind of, so cities are really looking for affordable housing, um, um, you know, and then obviously as owners, we're, we're renting the risk. I mean, we're, we're investing in these properties, so we've got a lot of liability and risk. I think that we'll have to see a lot of what comes down from that. I mean, is there going to be, um, you know, you know, some kind of lawsuit or something between um, cities and landlord groups and things like that just to, um, you know, mitigate different things. I think a lot of it is a work in progress and, and, you know, maybe certain city officials don't realize the certain consequences and things. So I think that's something to be mindful of, um, of how that goes. Um, but I think we are going to see some of that, um, you know, continue in the years to come and then, uh, you know, just further, um, regulations, I'm sure on, on, uh, rental property owners, um, as far as that goes. Yeah. Are you seeing any changes in uh, tenant expectations of either amenities that they mm-hmm. have or you know, just different things like that? Yeah, I think, um, well, especially if you're in an A-class type property, I mean, you're, you're, there's always going to be that, that tenant that wants um, new. Um, they, they want that for the lifestyle. You know what I mean? They're, they're renting in a luxury place for the pool and different things. I and mean, that, that could change now as, you know, depending on how long those amenity areas need to be closed. Are they going to, you know, I would say in those situations, they maybe those tenants are going to argue like, well, we're paying for these amenities. That's why we rented here. Do we get some kind of concession for that? Or, hey, I quit my gym membership to use this gym and now this is closed. So I could see um, things like, you know, people that are managing those type of properties get those kind of objectives coming through and then they're going to have to work with their residents as well as their owners to figure that out. Um, you know, being C-class properties, I think you're, you know, I think there's going to probably be a continued um, push for affordability units. So you might have to really watch the, um, you know, other competition on the market and see what, what they're doing to attract tenants or retain tenants too. 
um, you know, maybe it's something where you have to keep the rent the same year over year, or you kind of don't, maybe you can't push it up as much. So things like that just to, but you got to be mindful of the market. And if the market is commanding a higher rent, I think you've got to, you know, keep in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely lots of considerations. Yeah. Got to stay focused or stay informed about uh, these different changes that are going on. Right. So, well, listen, as we uh, need to wrap things up here, I want to give the audience a little bit of opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So one of the questions I want to ask you is, why do you get up in the morning? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know. I love my job, I guess. I, so I think, I think it's all how you um, manage it. And, and, you know, some days you, you just wake up and you know, you know, there's going to be challenges, but how do you deal with it? And you, I think you just got to um, you know, take it piece by piece. And, and it's, you know, being a problem solver, I think, and, and figuring out how you can help people at the end of the day, that's, that's the hat that you wear. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and then what person or event in your past was kind of monumental to creating who you are today? Um, I probably say my dad, I think my dad's been a really, really hard worker his whole life. He's still working today, two jobs. So I think something in, in the, um, work, you know, workflow and you still want to obviously work smarter, not harder. Right. But you, but I think, you know, go, it goes hand in hand. I think if you do put in, I mean, you do have to be in the trenches sometimes I still go uh, on, you know, property inspections and unit showings. And I think, you, you know, you need to do that to kind of keep a focus on your business as well and, and know what's going on and, and also be there for an employee if they have, you know, a challenge or something. And how do we, you know, evaluate it as a company to solve that problem? Okay. Yeah, very good. Uh, and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about your company? Yeah, sure. Um, you can visit our website, which is the same as our company name, buyrentcell.com, or um, you can always call us as well, 612-298-5400. Very good. Well, I appreciate all your insight that you've been able to share with us today. You bet. I uh, wanted to give you a small token of my appreciation, which is awesome. this official Maximizing Thank Your you. Property Thank Value you. mug. Awesome. I appreciate it. So you're more likely to, to uh, drink coffee, tea, uh, hot chocolate? Coffee. I think coffee. I'm a coffee guy, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's my informal poll that yeah. we do here. So <laughs> Good. All right. Coffee is good. <laughs> Very good. Well, Scott, I again, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah. I appreciate the audience listening and viewing this. If you got anything out of this, be sure to write a comment. Uh, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be really appreciated. And go ahead and share this out with somebody else that might also benefit from this. And we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investment in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. 
And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.